Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending July 30th, 2022. This week, streaming services got punched in the peacock. I'm Kim Hollis, welcoming you to the month of August. That means it's practically September, which means it's basically October, which means Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Yay! And that means it's almost Christmas! Yay! <laughs> also, Tim Brighty, writer and gamer, missing one pint of blood. Don't worry, I, I know where it is. But it, <laughs> but it was it was B negative blood from an A plus guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, David Mumpower, published author and media analyst, who is taking the multiverses video game power rankings far too seriously. Velma at number two. Velma, <laughs> you're telling me Velma can beat up the Iron Giant? We are not talking about this atrocity enough. You, you, you never played Smash Brothers, did you? <laughs> he did. We lived and breathed Smash Brothers earlier in our relationship, didn't we, Kim? <laughs> we did. We really did, well, yes. D- Donkey Kong and Bowser were kind of crappy. There's a reason I was always Pikachu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial. Now, one step closer to reclaiming his Canadian heritage. If I ever have to flee the country, I'm ready. Oh, good for you. <laughs> In our deep dive this week, after Netflix's better than expected earnings report last week, it's been nothing but bad news for streamers this week as a potential recession is causing a slowdown in advertising sales, and that's hitting streamers in the pocketbook. If I were to describe Comcast stock after they announced their earnings report, it would be timber! (laughs) Netflix has been criticized for being a one-revenue stream company, subscribers, nothing else. Well, who's laughing now, all of you people who do ad revenue, suckers? Diversifying is for idiots. Look, Roku was probably the worst hit of the streaming companies this week. Their stock plummeted after they reported they'd missed their expected earnings due to an advertising slowdown, but Peacock isn't doing any better. The NBC Universal streamer could cost parent company Comcast a billion dollars in losses this year, and their subscriber numbers are flat. Yeah, the Roku thing is amazing. Raul, you may get your chance at buying it at $28 a share again <laughs> before this is all done. I mean, it's down to 65 as I say this. That would have seemed impossible a year ago. I mean, impossible. You would have wondered who the CEO had murdered. You would have. I can't imagine the embarrassment at the company as I guess they were all gathered around that phone waiting for Reed Hastings to call and invite them out so that they could hook up and instead Netflix called Microsoft and Roku's there left holding the bag. Roku at this point, and I've said it, I've said it before, I said it last week, Roku isn't long for this world. Somebody needs to buy them or they're going to collapse. Yeah, I don't think it's quite as calamitous as you do, but the analogy I'd make with Roku waiting on that call is like when you've got a text you're expecting and all you're getting is the three dots. They got three <laughs> dotted right up until the announcement came in and they were like, oh, we're still doing a deal too, right? Right? But enough about Roku. Let's get back to uh, pillaring Peacock here. Look, after gaining 4 million subscribers last quarter and hitting a total of 13 million total subscribers, this quarter, Peacock announced zero, zero new subscribers. Now, granted, compared to Netflix's loss of nearly a million subscribers in the quarter, zero sounds good. But having gained about a fifth of their subscribers in just one quarter, zero is sounding, I don't know, 
a little suspicious. Peacock's got a built-in base of subscribers. They include everyone who is a Comcast, Cox, Charter, or in the UK, Sky, Cable, or Satellite customer. Every one of those people essentially is an automatic Peacock subscriber, which means that when Comcast made those deals with Charter, with Cox, with Sky, they immediately were able to add millions of new subscribers. They can't pull that trick again. They would have to create new partnerships with other cable companies, and they've already signed all of their biggest competitors, unless they're going after, say, like Dish or Direct. TV, there's no one left for them to really make deals with at this point. So they're not going to be onboarding millions of new subscribers again, simply by creating these partnership deals. They have to do it by presenting quality content to people. And right now people are looking at Peacock and they're not seeing any of that quality content. No one's seeing a reason to become a paying Peacock subscriber. All of what they have right now, these 13 million subscribers essentially amount to people who are paying $0. It is bundled in to their cable subscription with Cox, with Charter, with Comcast. Their average revenue per subscriber at Peacock has got to be dismal because none of these people are paying for the service. Yeah. To sum up what Raul just said, Dear Comcast, you can't just throw money at the problem and expect to solve it. At some point, you're going to have to show some skill, some sort of decision making that actually proves you might have a chance in the streaming industry. Thus far, you fell completely. We have talked about it repeatedly and it's not getting better. You've maxed out on subscribers and it's sad because you've maxed out at 13 million, which means you're not even stars. Have some pride, Comcast. Look, Kelly Campbell, who used to be at Hulu, came on board to run Peacock about nine months ago. That would be last October. She's about to hit her one-year anniversary. If she hasn't been able to turn that company around in one year, I think she's going to be looking for another job soon. And it's not like they haven't been trying. Universal has a sweetheart deal with the theaters, with Regal, with AMC, where they can put a movie out in theaters for 30 days and then immediately bring it onto Peacock after that. And that alone isn't really shifting the needle. But you could also have to consider the fact that, honestly, a lot of the stuff that they've been putting out in theaters hasn't been all that good. So it's not particularly appealing to people. They need to put content that people want to see on Peacock. And so far, it's not happening. The one saving grace for many streamers that count on advertising revenue is the upcoming election cycle. There's hundreds of millions of dollars to be made off of election ads, but leave it to Disney to stick their foot in this mess and screw it up. According to reports last week, Hulu refused to run certain gun control and abortion rights ads, and that prompted a backlash from Democrats, and immediately Hulu walked that back and decided to run the ads. They've got to stop shooting themselves in the foot like that. Yeah, it's basically the joke people do where, you know, absolutely no one dot, dot, dot. Hulu. No, you can't have advertising on this. We only take money from conservatives. (laughs) Yeah. And as annoying as political ads are, can't they be localized too? And which would be, you know, way, potentially way more ad revenue than say something that runs nationally. I am not a fan of political ads. I see them a lot on. Who is? Yeah, is anybody really yeah. on broadcast TV? If nothing else, I think political ads are a great incentive to pay for the upgraded ad-free tiers. <laughs> no <Yes>. joke. <laughs> if I start, if I start seeing political ads on Hulu, I will pay to not see ads on Hulu anymore. So Hulu, I'm ready to write you a check. Just bring it. 
Right now, we're talking about advertising being down, but it's about to go way up. And we mentioned that previously. Netflix knew this, and Netflix could have made a lot of short-term cash by going ahead and adding an ad tier right now. They chose not to do that, which I think was prescient, because I think they realized this is about to be some really ugly advertising campaigns. I mean, like really bad. Yeah. Bare knuckles brawling. And it is probably best to avoid that because Raul, you and I were talking before the podcast. If Disney airs the ads that Hulu rejected, they get hit by the right. If they don't air the ads, they get hit by the left. There's just no way you can do that and get away scot-free at this point because everything is political now. The only option is to not run political ads at all. But at this point, it's been proven these companies that count on advertising revenue to keep themselves afloat need money. And this is where the money is. They're between a rock and a hard place. So the political ads are going to run and we're going to see them on the streaming services. And the only way out of that is to pay the upcharge and not watch ads at all. In our rapid fire this week, it was announced that the ABC hit comedy Abbott Elementary will be streaming on both Disney's Hulu and Warner Brothers Discovery's HBO Max. Abbott Elementary is starting to appear on people's radars, especially now that it's become one of the few broadcast shows to get some Emmy love. As it turns out, while it airs on Disney's ABC, it's a co-production between their 20th Century Television and Warner Brothers Television. So they both have a stake in the show and they'll both get to show reruns of episodes. I guess that's how they work it out. I just am really annoyed to have to say Warner Brothers Discovery's HBO Max. (laughs) I do think it's an interesting litmus test. Like the companies will never admit it, but both of them will know what the other's ratings are at least in a general sense. So it's one of those rare instances where by working together, they're going to get some intel that is probably more valuable than anything involving Abbott Elementary as a product. I'm just glad they didn't go with their alternative plan, which was uh, two weeks out of the month and then every other Saturday. (laughs) Every divorced parent on the planet is laughing at that right now. Speaking of Warner Brothers Discovery, more belt tightening is underway as HBO Max indicated they'd be cutting back on live action kids and family programming. That means shows like Gordita Chronicles will not be renewed. Well, we probably haven't heard of Gordita Chronicles. Gordita Chronicles was praised for reflecting authentically the experiences of the Latino community. Fortunately, it's produced by Sony, so they're going to shop the show around and see if anybody else wants to stream it. On top of everything else, we learned a little bit more about the Samantha Bay cancellation, and it was exactly as vile as you think it is, which is they lost their chief supporter, an executive who we reported when they, they left last year. And on top of that, they're still worried about comments she made during the 2018 election season, if you can believe that. 2018. And apparently the new people came in and they've been carrying this grudge for three and a half years and they could finally get her now. And the worst part was the rap who I normally like posted a postscript on this. And the person they interviewed was an old white guy who did nothing but show he didn't understand how women thought at all. And I was like, wow, in reading this, this is exactly what Samantha B has just sent several seasons crusading against. And this is how the rap kicks her on the way out is having the pointless bad take of an old white guy as the final comment on her entire series. 
if Samantha B should be worried about something she said back in 2018, I'm thinking John Oliver needs to be preparing his uh, his reel for Netflix. <laughs> Lastly, it was revealed this week that Google's YouTube had thrown their hat in the ring as a bidder for NFL Sunday ticket. So who's got the biggest money truck? Google, <laughs> Apple, or Amazon? <laughs> you remember that movie that came out last year, 8-Bit Christmas, and the storyline was only one kid could actually afford the Nintendo. Everyone else would have to come over and play with them. That's kind of what's just happened right now is everyone else bidding on this was trying to be, you know, completely reasonable. Even Apple. Apple has not tried to make an offer that blows everybody else out of the water. Here comes Google, and it is just like they have just dripping $100 bills and gold bars and just throwing it in NFL and just say, take whatever you want out, we're good. And on top of that, I can actually add something else here. For a long time, I have been subscribing to NFL Game Pass because I'm one of those weirdos who wants to see the overhead camera angle of every play so that I can know which players are really getting the job done. I take it that seriously. This week, my Roku app updated because there is now no longer NFL Game Pass. It is now, God help us all, NFL Plus. So there is now a Roku app for NFL Plus. <laughs> <laughs> and that is going to be the next product we can't stop talking about. And it's one of those things. The incident happened. I swear to God, I was just like, oh, no, this is the next five years of my life. We're going to have to talk <laughs> There is no getting around it. And it's entirely possible that NFL Plus becomes like the major service for what we formerly called DirecTV Sunday Ticket. Really is. One thing that certainly Google has in their back pocket is, as you pointed out, David, the bid for Sunday Ticket seems to include some uh, infrastructure with the NFL, where they get to run like the whole back catalog of content and and maybe even some of the uh, backbone when it comes to streaming. And I think that's where Google with their Google Cloud and even Amazon with their AWS become front runners. This is where I feel, honestly, Apple just is not in the position to compete with these other bids. They don't have that cloud infrastructure the same way that Amazon's AWS and Google has Google Cloud. Hey, Tim, let's talk a little bit about this weekend's box office. Um, can we not? Because I refuse to believe that DC League <laughs> of Super Pets is a real movie. Yeah. <laughs> 2.2 million on Thursday, which you cannot really read anything into for an animated movie, especially something aimed at kids. Uh, it'll probably win the weekend. It's crunch time for the box office now because we're out of the uh, A-list material. But come on, Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson in a movie together? Oh. They have a good track record. That That's never happened before. Those two in the same movie? <laughs> <laughs> Want to talk Aquaman yet? <laughs> no, no, <please>. no. <laughs> oh. Okay, so enough of that nonsense. We'll see what happens with this uh, with the DC League of Super Pets. Like I said, it'll probably win the weekend. We'll we'll mention that now next week and see what other sadness the box office brings us in the future. But, enough uh, of that nonsense is what I've been saying about the DC universe since like two thousand one. <laughs> All right, so ratings? <laughs> ratings. Yay. Okay, we have the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, June 27th to Sunday, July 3rd. And there is a whole lot to unpack here, so let's Yep. <laughs> a whole lot of crazy, Tim. Yes. Oh, yes. And I have the receipts. Okay. Uh, your most watched thing of the week is, of course, Stranger Things with the release of the final two episodes of season four on July 1st, both of which were really long. So we knew it was going to be back on top after our one week break, but we, we didn't quite know how big it would be. But your answer is 5.9 billion minutes. I'd whistle if I could. Somehow 
This is both the second largest number we've ever tracked on Nielsen and also only Stranger Things' second best performance of the month of July. Isn't that right? Yeah, this is this is a monster. This this really is the streaming version of Avengers Endgame. 7.2 on July 1st and now 5.9 on July 29th. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about right now is we're always a month behind on these things, but they have just shattered everything we thought we knew about possibilities here. Yeah, we, we didn't think that like the numbers could go that big. I mean, we know in theory there is no finite number just like with, with box office, but we didn't think anything like, you know, our ceiling was four, maybe five. And then, yeah, a, a month ago, Stranger Things premieres with seven billion and then it literally just adds two episodes, which again, were almost movie length, but to shoot back up and almost hit 6 billion, that's just ridiculous. That is, there's no words for it. I mean, I, I do wonder how many people managed to hold out and avoid spoilers for a month and wait till these were available and binge the whole thing this weekend. I mean, it's probably a small percentage considering how big that first number was, but I'm sure there were a few that, that managed it, but this is nonsense. This, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be possible. This really is like, like I said, it's, it's end game, you know, movies making $900 million. It's Top Gun Maverick making $600 million. <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely right. It, it, it borders on incomprehensible. And just because I know some people are probably wondering, I went back and looked. Squid Game's first big record setting number was 3.26 billion. Yeah, three. I Stranger remember it was 3 billion. And we were just like, wow, 3 billion. Holy cow. Right. 5.9 and 7.2 last time. I mean, it, it wow. I mean, we're going to be talking about this show for a very long time for reasons I I get to later. But yeah, this is it's it's astounding that just just that that small addition shot it back up to the, the, the list with that ridiculous number. It is every available episode of Stranger Things, you know, people people watched, but these new episodes were only available for three days when we got this number and it, it jumped that much. So it, it could pull another, you know, four or five billion next week, which would be the, the third biggest number we've ever seen. And Stranger Things third biggest week. <laughs> Five weeks, yes. <laughs> oh my. Okay. All right. Uh, so second is Umbrella Academy, a very solid 2.2 billion minutes for the first full week of release for its third season. So I ask you kind of something in, in this vicinity last week. I'm going to ask you again now. Did Netflix make a mistake by putting this around the same time as Stranger Things? Do you think they should have spaced them out? Or do you think that if anything, this is more impressive that they have two shows doing 8 billion minutes? Um, I think they may have been better off spacing them out. I think people who were interested in both were going to watch both and maybe they were, they got so excited to watch Stranger Things. They're like, oh, I'll get to Umbrella Academy later. And and then that, that may not necessarily be reflected in the, yeah. in the ratings. And, and we'll see that one stick around for, you know, several weeks as opposed to showing up, doing good numbers for a couple weeks and then vanishing off the list. But yeah, I, I actually, I'm pretty I'm impressed with, uh, with, with this number, given that, you know, everyone was so hyped for the new, the finale of the Stranger Things season that, they, they still found time for uh, Umbrella Academy. New in third is from Amazon Prime Video, and here is The Terminal List, the Chris Pratt action series, 1.1 billion minutes. The episode season dropped July 1st, and that's a really good number for Amazon. And I'm actually surprised it has not been renewed yet, as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's very impressive, but I also feel that the people who watched it didn't necessarily enjoy it, and I feel... <laughs> people didn't I, like it, did they? Yeah. No. It's not, got, got bad reviews, and I think the even the audience reaction was not entirely positive either. I think this is entirely on the back of 
Chris Pratt, and I don't think he's going to be able to hold it uh, hold it up for a second week. I imagine it's going to plummet in the second week. It stuns me that this isn't very good because if you look at the cast, it's got Chris Pratt, it's got Constance Wu from Crazy Rich Asians, the lead of Crazy Rich Asians, Taylor Kitsch, who you know has been a TV and movie star all over the place, Riley Keough. It's got. Jay Courtney in it. I mean, it has a lot of people, and it also has the uh, the new Schwarzenegger kid, Patrick. This is an Antoine Fuqua product. You'd think it would be really good, but God, it's abysmal, isn't it, Tim? Yeah, I I hadn't heard anyone who like was gushing about it. They were like some people even just quit it halfway through. From people I've heard heard to watch it, I think my parents started it, and then they did not continue it either. It is forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. Yeah, not good. So I, I'm still expecting a second season based on the number. Maybe maybe Amazon has more info and they decided to hold off. Given if it if it plummets, we will see. But yeah, I'm, I, it's actually a really good start for Amazon. But it clearly traded off the name for that release and maybe we'll drop off quickly from here this would be one of the biggest numbers we've ever seen for a show to be canceled wouldn't it among it yeah especially something not from netflix uh the boy is still holding very well it's a really good week for uh amazon uh 951 million minutes for 23 total episodes meanwhile yay in fifth it's the return of only murders in the building 526 million minutes viewed for 12 total episodes even though nielsen states 14 the first two episodes of the second season arrive june 28th and then will be weekly through august so hopefully we should see this one for its entire run and we yeah, we should, given how how awesome the show is. Yay, yes. Mm-hmm. It's delightful that this really slow-paced comedy drama is here in the top five. When you look at before other movies in the top five that are these big budget, action-oriented spectaculars. So great, great for Only Murders in the Building. Great news. Yeah, I, I have a feeling at this point that the top four shows, especially the Amazon ones, were probably not cheap to produce. And Stranger Things and Umbrella Academy are not new shows either. So I'm sure they were given, you know, higher budgets considering how many mm-hmm. how many eyeballs they were going to have on them. And then, yeah, you have this essentially three main actors, but a small ensemble of unknowns, maybe some guest stars who are willing to work for, you know, for cheap just to just to get involved in it, you know, small settings. Yeah. And yep, it's it, it's fit. I mean, there's a big drop off from the boys to only murders. But yeah, it's still good to see. We did see it towards the end of its first season. I am very happy anytime this, this show is here. Now, Tim, while I take this uh, sip of water, why don't you tell us what the next uh, show on this list is it is snowflake mountain <laughs> can you take yes there we go no uh, <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. should probably stop taking long sips of things before we hear things <laughs> right yeah in sixth place 492 million minutes watched snowflake mountain eight episodes that actually arrived on june 22nd so i guess the silver lining here is that this actually represents the full week viewing and not just like a three-day number so maybe we won't see it again or possibly next week. And then maybe not after that. I'm hoping. I'm- I can't decide whether it's more accurate to say we knew or we feared. <laughs> yeah. I, at this point, I'm deeply concerned that this not only means Snowflake Mountain season two. Season two. I'm thinking at some point Snowflake Mountain season seven. God help <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that tracks, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it's not as awful as the title indicates. It's basically like, here's some, you know, spoiled rich people and we just drop them in the woods and see how they adapt. But yeah, it's garbage television, you know. 
I do have to say, though, Netflix has seemed to switch it up a bit. Normally, their bigger shows tend to arrive on Friday, but they release some on Wednesday. This was also a Wednesday release. And I almost wonder if they're doing it more, not because of Nielsen's ratings, but because of their own ratings chart, which tracks Monday to Sunday. Like you're going to drop the big, you're going to drop the big shows. Yeah, you're going to drop the 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 big event shows on on Friday. People will will binge them through the weekend. It'll still score huge. But I do wonder if like the mid tier stuff shows up, you know, middle of the week, it gets that more of that ratings chart when they put their when they put their ratings chart out because their their chart does also go Monday to Monday to Sunday. Just a theory. Also, Netflix simply by airing Snowflake Mountain, you have lessened humanity. Well done. And that's hard to do in 2022. Let me sit. The Upshaws is a show we've seen before. The first half of its second season arrived on June 29th. So yeah, it's back 18 episodes total, 444 million minutes for the, the sitcom. And there'll be a second half of eight more episodes sometime later this year, apparently. That might be their biggest, like, well, one of their bigger sitcom hits. You know, they've tried, they've tried it. Not many have, have taken, but this, this one uh, is doing very well. Originals wraps up with shows we've seen before. Peaky Blinders in A, 392 million minutes. Uh, the Bear is still here. We saw that last week, 349 million minutes for eight episodes. So that's Hulu and Amazon getting two shows on the list this week. Take that, Netflix. And showing that we will be talking about Stranger Things for the rest of 2022. Ozark is still here in 10, 330 million minutes, 44 episodes. So in movies, it is led by Sing 2, 1.2 billion minutes. Boy, do you feel stupid if you paid extra to watch it before it showed up on Netflix. This was a massive week for streaming, folks. Massive. Uh, was, uh, I mean, it was a holiday. Well, led into the holiday weekend. Monday would be would be the fourth. Uh, there, but there was definitely stuff people wanted to watch. And I'm, but I'm sure it was a very uh, good weekend. And it was too darn hot outside. Just stay inside. Watch, watch streaming stuff. It's cooler in there. Air conditioning exists. Uh, the Man from Toronto in second, 952 million minutes for the first full week of its availability because Kevin Hart is king of streaming media. While Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness from Disney Plus takes third, 620 million minutes. And that's kind of a big drop, wasn't it? That is a sizable drop. Yeah, that's that's worrying. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the trajectory that Eternals took as well. We'll, we'll watch when, you know, Thor comes out in another month and we'll see if it does the same thing. It's possible. This is just a new Marvel behavior on Disney Plus we're tracking for the first time. But I'm like you. I looked at it and went, eek. Uh, the Mist is still here in fourth, and it is on this list because it showed up on Netflix on June 22nd for some reason. Uh, 255 million minutes right behind it in fifth a much more comfortable position than last week when there was danger of it falling off the list is in kanto 254 million minutes from disney plus uh, hustle in six 228 million minutes seventh is love and gelato we saw that last week 177 million minutes and then things get very weird in eighth is a movie called backtrace from 2018 it never received a domestic theatrical release but made a whopping four hundred ninety thousand dollars in overseas markets however there are, there are two reasons it's here one of the reasons is it arrived on Netflix on June 23rd. The other reason is it stars Matthew Modine. He's also in a show called Stranger Things. Oh my God. So what this proves is Netflix's algorithm is obviously geared towards the newest content to the service based on arrival date, regardless of when it was actually made. So I'm sure if you finished watching Stranger Things, this is what came up for you to watch next. I mean, we did kind of already suspect that that this was the case but this is my doctoral thesis on this topic we were still covering box office passionately in 2018 i had never heard of this when it made the list the other day and i've heard of everything yeah so Sylvester stallone's in it too so the fact that it did not 
play in theaters in North America is kind of shocking. It's just basically a straight to DVD thing that they yeah. some released at the perfect time to make this chart because the other odd thing about this chart, we're not really, you know, obsessing on it, but the top three all made at least 600 million minutes. The rest of it, it's 153 to 255, which means the 70% of the chart is actually very middling at best, lucky to make the chart numbers. So that's, that is part of what's in play here, but why? Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about that before. If we had say the next 10, I think, you know, you'd see a lot of the evergreen content. You would definitely see more Disney plus content. You know, you'd see, you know, you'd see frozen, you'd see Moana, which, you know, generally have been bumped out of the top 10 now by Encanto and turning red, but they, you know, they still pop up every, every now and then. But so unless there's a big new release, yeah, the, the, the movie, chart is generally kind of sad after the the first couple but yeah that that was that was some some fun to to research uh and also speaking of research in ninth place actually ruins a game i was going to have with you all where uh now that we've reached july in these ratings i was going to go through the list of movies that arrived on july 1st and we'd all have some fun and 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 guess as to which of them would make the ratings first uh but even though it was only three days a movie called wildcard from 2015 ruins the fun because it's here with 159 million minutes. Uh, it is some Jason Statham movie that somehow made three thousand two hundred dollars in twenty fifteen, but four million internationally. Even though I've never joke, heard of it before, we joke about this a lot. Jason Statham has an uncanny strength on streaming media. We have had this happen before yes. where completely forgotten projects of his will suddenly show up and do very, very well. Still, those all got theatrical releases. This one didn't. This is, I mean, not seriously. So this is really bizarre. Yeah. Again, it was on the service for three whole days for this rating period. And, and that enough many people checked it out, but that, again, I think it. I, I joke that Kevin Hart is king of, of streaming media. Jason Statham might actually be right behind him because he he does he is very popular <laughs> with people who watch uh, Netflix movies. Apparently, I'm now trying to figure out what a Melissa McCarthy, Adam Sandler, Jason Statham movie would look like. Well, um, I mean, two two of the three is Spy, but you know, then you throw in Adam Sandler. You know what? That's a great point. <laughs> Which, by the way, needs a sequel. Spy 2 with Adam Sandler. Sandler. There there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, Thankfully, we wrap up movies with Turning Red from Disney Plus, 153 million minutes. All right. Uh, Acquired is nine shows we've seen before, led by NCIS, 187 million minutes. There are a few things to note here. Uh, First and fourth is the return of Legacies, 596 million minutes for the CW show, which concluded its fourth and final season in mid-June and then showed up on Netflix not long after that as tends to happen, which is why we saw All-American lead this chart a couple weeks ago. And just to be clear, that was a cancellation that nobody was expecting. So fans probably are a little brokenhearted and seeing how things got resolved, some of which frankly didn't. Oh, okay. So they left, they may have left some things hanging. Interesting. They should have seen the writing on the wall. Raul and I certainly did, but <laughs> they were more optimistic thinking they've never canceled a Vampire Diaries show before. Would they start now? Of course not. And then they did. The next show we've not seen before is The Unexplained, 545 million minutes viewed, a reality documentary series from the History Channel, usually hosted by William Shatner, which has aired four seasons and 53 episodes total, but not all of them are on Netflix. According to Nielsen, 22 are, though my quick check of Netflix found only 16. Uh, but still, that's that 
that showed up apparently sometime this month. I couldn't find an exact date for this one, but that's a very good number for this uh, for this content. I choose to believe that William Shatner is such a petty man that he went ahead and did this show just because Leonard Nimoy had found success with In Search Of and Shatner needed to do better. Of note is that this is produced by Prometheus Entertainment. If anybody recognizes that name, it's because you've seen their production shingle at the end of every episode of The Curse of Oak Island. If that show ever makes it onto Netflix, that is just going to rock those acquired ratings. Oh, interesting. Okay. I also want to throw in that William Shatner is 91 years old, and the belief is that he's also worth several hundred million dollars because he did those stupid commercials, and they actually, rather than paid him his normal fee... <laughs> the the Priceline commercials? Yes, they gave him a percentage of stock, and it turned out to be one of the rare stocks that really tore it up. I would believe it, yep. He made more on that than Star Trek, which is just so messed up. <laughs> All right. Next, we are missing two shows that we thought were going to be here for the long haul. That is Friends and the Big Bang Theory. Uh, suddenly, HBO Max is nowhere to be found on the ratings this week. I don't know if I'm reading more into this than I should, or it's something you know Mr. Nielsen overlooked for this week, or maybe they just missed the chart as 10th is Heartland with 364 million minutes. There, there it is. I was wondering if anybody would notice, but there is not a single HBO Max show on this chart this week. It could very well be simply that they didn't have enough minutes view to chart. Uh, mm-hmm. Apple TV Plus is is ranked in these ratings and they're not here this week either. And it's just because they just don't have anything that, that got watched enough to make it. So it just may well be that. But, but it could also be that those few weeks that we saw HBO Max on the charts was an oversight and we shouldn't have been receiving. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's the tinfoil hat theory. Okay, I like it. All right. There's also a simpler one. You know how Nielsen occasionally forgets to update? This was a holiday weekend. It's entirely possible they just messed up the numbers, forgot to relay the numbers or something, <laughs> and didn't get it passed along. All right. And finally, we have the Death Gurgle for Criminal Minds as it departed Netflix on June 30th. So it's here, but for what is likely the final time in seven. Farewell. Four, 452 million minutes. So there is clearly some binge watching fit in before it departed Netflix. <laughs> Because that's still a fair, that's still a pretty good number for it's just a few solid, days. yes. Yeah, and it usually does higher, perfect. but yeah, but but yeah, it, and then people were suddenly like, what happened? And it's gone. Okay. Yeah, that's that's all I've got. And that was quite the ride we had this week. And I don't know what's going to top <laughs> this, but I am I am curious what to see what happens with Stranger Things over the next, you know, several months, really. Because it's just like Ozark, it's going to be here forever. All right. Thank you, Tim. In our green lights and cancellations this week, Netflix is on board with a documentary of software pioneer John McAfee. Do you have to pay extra to watch it? (laughs) (laughs) And and then once you watch it, it'll be impossible to remove. (laughs) It'll always be there on the on the service. Like they can't remove it. I hear it's crazier than Tiger King. And it's oh, no. and for those of you unfamiliar with the story, John McAfee, the fact that he developed an antivirus software that people are familiar with is entirely besides the yes, point. Yes. He is, this is the whole entire story about this man is is insane. Yeah, the, he was quite a, let's call him a libertarian with very specific uh, views and philosophies, and his uh, life ended in a very unusual way. Yeah, and Netflix maybe 
may be all in on a gray man universe. As the Russo brothers said in an interview that Ryan Gosling was already on board for a sequel and an R-rated spinoff from Deadpool writers Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese was also in the works. These are very tentative reports. I mean, they did say that in an interview, yes, but nothing's firm yet. They're certainly not filming anything yet. I don't think anything's been signed. And I'd say, honestly, given the initial numbers we've seen of the Gray Man so far, I don't know how committed they are to carrying on this franchise. 200 million for a movie? I mean, they're, they're already pot committed, so might as well just going, keep throwing money at it. <laughs> and you do it for 20. <laughs> Over at Amazon Prime Video, the young adult mystery, The Wilds, will not be getting a third season. That is unfortunate, as it appears to have gotten some viral attention on social media. And it ended season two on a cliffhanger. It started as a hybrid of Lord of the Flies and Lost when a plane carrying a group of young women crashes, stranding them on a deserted island in the second season. Young men were added to the mix. Now we're never going to know how it ends. Yeah, I probably will now now not watch the second season because it's been a while since I watched the first one. And if it's going to just be cliffhung anyway, then whatever. Saves me the trouble. Thanks, Amazon. At Disney Plus, another kid-lit adventure fantasy series, Aragon, is getting rebooted. This is very much in the same vein as with Percy Jackson. And presumably it'll be happening again at some point with Artemis Fowl, given the debacle that was (laughs) that last effort of theirs. One would hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to see a good Artemis Fowl movie or series. So let's see. Uh, how, what's the rule on how long we have to wait to, until we can get that bad taste out of our mouth? Yep. Yep. Over at Paramount Plus, the iCarly reboot is getting a third season. The original series got six seasons, so the reboot's halfway there. I feel bad, really, that Miranda Cosgrove isn't getting any other gigs. But so long as this show keeps on chugging along, she's getting uh, she's getting paid. Good for her. But the big mover this week was AMC Plus, which reported numerous green lights. The Orphan Black spinoff, Orphan Black Echoes, is a go at AMC and AMC Plus with Kristen Ritter in the lead. Hell yes. Hell yes. (laughs) Damn fine casting. I wasn't sure that a doing an Orphan Black spinoff, especially if they weren't going to be going back to Tatiana Maslany, but Kristen Ritter, I don't know. Somehow this, this seems like a step up. They're trading Jessica Jones for She-Hulk. <laughs> the sci-fi thriller Moonhaven has been renewed for a second season. This one really seems to be moving on the strength of its supporting cast as the lead actress in it really doesn't carry any weight. But amongst the supporting cast is uh, Dominic Moynihan from Lost and Lord of the Rings. And he seems to show up in all the photos and trailers. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that he's necessarily carrying this show either, but. AMC seems to have some confidence in it. (laughs) I've seen some positive buzz for it, too, so I guess they like it. And we're once again going 20 minutes into the future as Matt Frewer will be reprising his role as Max Headroom for the cable network and streamer. Hell yes! (laughs) <laughs> we just mentioned Orphan Black and Matt Frewer had a very memorable role in that series. I've loved that actor since his Max Headroom days, but I never dreamed he'd be returning to the gig that made him a cultural phenomenon in the 80s. This is just incredible news. This is also one of the least likely reboots <laughs> yes. ever. 
legitimately. I mean, that character was a Coke commercial forever ago, kind of became a series. The series didn't do well, but people love Matt Frewer. I mean, we love him in everything. So there's something just right about this. Yeah, he started at this kind of counterculture, anti-commercialism avatar and immediately pivoted because he became a spokesman for Coca-Cola. I don't think he could possibly have done a bigger one, 180 than that. And he he was all over the place in the 1980s. He had a, he had a talk show. He was on the cover of magazines. And, and then as the 80s faded, so did the character. Matt Frewer moved on and did other stuff, plenty of stuff that I was very happy to watch. But I really liked the concept of Max Headroom. It just seemed very much of the moment. <laughs> and, and to think that it's coming back, it has to be very satirical in its own nature. The very fact that this cultural character of the 1980s that was anti-commercialism and then became commercialism is returning now as a rebooted entity. I mean, it's mind-bending to imagine. As always, we finish the show with what's been keeping us busy over the last week and... Dibs on Harley Quinn. Too late. It's already written down. (laughs) I wrote it down, so I claimed it. Kim goes first on this segment for a reason, David. (laughs) Of course, it's Harley Quinn. We've already watched the first three episodes more than once. And it's great. I don't even know what to say. David just at one point said, are you kicking your feet in glee? Because I was, I was. I love Bane (laughs) so damn much. He's amazing. If you're not watching the show, watch it. It's worth it. Do it. Raul, how about you? So much to my chagrin, this week I'm recommending yet another show on Peacock. You're the problem, sir. (laughs) You're the one keeping them afloat. Okay. Single-handedly. Well, I think this is something you guys would enjoy. Look, last week, the first three episodes of The Resort premiered on Peacock. It stars William Jackson Harper of The Good Place and Kristen Milioti of Made for Love and Palm Springs. Cheaty and the mother? I'm, I'm sold. That's the one. They star as Noah and Emma, a couple who travel to a Mexican resort for their 10-year anniversary. But after a freak off-roading accident, Emma finds an old cell phone that belonged to a young man that disappeared 15 years ago, and they begin to investigate the disappearance. The supporting cast includes Skylar Gzondo from the Santa Clarita Diet as Sam, the young man who disappeared, and Jesse's Debbie Ryan as his girlfriend, who appear in flashbacks. The narrative style is somewhat jarring as there are numerous flashbacks that appear intentionally confusing, but the mystery is captivating. Unfortunately, the entire show is dragged down, perhaps not necessarily by Milioti herself, but rather by the character she plays. She seems to have become typecast cast at this point as a cold, disaffected woman unhappy with her place in the world. I'm sure she's a wonderful person, and having sat behind her in the VIP section during the recording of the NPR show Ask Me Another when she was still a Broadway actress on the cusp of her breakout role as the mom on How I Met Your Mother, and yes, I'm going to mention this every time I bring up Kristen Milioti, she seemed perfectly nice, but the negative energy she gives off in this show here just drags everything down. Jackson Harper, on the other hand, is every bit the goofy pleasure he was on the the good place and does great work lifting every scene he's in. Ultimately, though, it's the mystery that got me hooked, much like Only Murders in the Building, and I can't wait for the next episode. That is awesome. And I wondered, based on some things I had read, if it might not be a good one. So I'm intrigued. Tim, how about you? 
uh, just caught up on some stuff this week. I'm not fully caught up yet, but I'm a few more episodes into Only Murders in the Building. And my God, how freaking amazing is Selena Gomez? I, of course, been well aware of her, but never really paid much attention to anything that, that she'd done before this. But she really makes the show. And I'm as outraged as Steve Martin and Martin Short that they were nominated for Emmys and she was not. I Also, I have spent a lot more time with Stardew Valley, which I mentioned a few weeks ago. And I get it now. This game's been out for a few years and, and people have... I've put you know hundreds of thousands of hours in it and it has way more depth than I thought rather than just build your farm sell your crops use the money to expand the farm convince one of the people in town to marry you hooray there is so much more to it and it's even more impressive when you consider the game is is the work of one guy like he's just plugged away at it for four years and and has made a ton of money off of it uh it plays excellently on the steam deck and is not a huge drain on the battery unlike certain other games so i am looking forward to to it and when i go to it again my uh my crop should be in so i'm i'm, I'm very excited to get back to it very nice and david i called dibs on harley quinn <laughs> Let me say that clearly. You did not write it in the show notes, so too bad. It was mine, and I begged you to watch. You don't get to do it now. Uh Uh-uh, that's not how this works. Look, I I can say it like this. We've mentioned before, we've been moving into a new place, and it has not gone well. We have had all kinds of issues happen, so we're behind. We haven't watched any of Lock and Key. We have not watched a full episode of the new season of Umbrella Academy. We haven't finished Cobra Kai or The Boys yet. That's how far behind we are on things we have said in the past we really, really love. Kim just stated everything we needed to say. We have watched every episode of Harley Quinn, which just came out yesterday, and we have watched all three of them more than once already. That's how much we love this show, and that's how entertaining it is. And that's a real thing that happened. Bane said a line last night, and she was like a little girl just cackling and kicking her feet up with delight because that's how much the show makes us happy. It's perfect. You have to watch it. Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week. I saw Chidi and the Mother play at Woodstock 94. (laughs) Did I tell you guys how I sat behind her at a recording of an NPR game show once? (laughs) 